Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, indeed. This is uh, Jason Pratt with A New Behavioral Health. I am here with Heather Perry, also of A New Behavioral Health. How are you today, Heather? I'm great, Jason. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm, I'm feeling really, really good. It's a, it's a beautiful day here in, in Keene, New Hampshire. Um, that's where we're filming live in, in our studio here, the new studio. Um, and this is the Through Help and Back podcast. We are back. So many of our fans, I mean, I think we had probably, oh my gosh, like 10, maybe 11 fans of our last podcast where we did four or five episodes of it was the difference that makes a difference than it was through help or back uh, now it is through help and back so t-h-a-b through help and back and we are back we have a new producer uh ian masood is with us he has done a fabulous job so if we sound good or we look good uh, we know where the credit goes for that, especially on my end. Um, but no, we're just happy to be back and happy to bring this content back to people. Um, the, you know, the purpose of Through Helping Back is to discuss, you know, mental health, substance abuse issues, um, but also in a, in a positive context. You know, a lot of times I think the conversation around a lot of the stuff is here's the problem and here's how bad things have gotten and um, here's how difficult it is to deal with that. We want to offer people some hope and some solutions. And, you know, we work for the company that sponsors this podcast, A New Behavioral Health, and we see this stuff day in and day out. And so there is, there is success and there is hope to share and we want to bring that to the light. And, and if you are struggling with that, we want you to know that, you know, you're not alone and there are things you can do about that. So Heather was on the last version of this. She's back uh, for the first episode of this. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming in. Yes. So. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's been and, great. Yeah. And, and just full disclosure, we, we let Heather come in and we said, you know, here's the deal. We want you to come back. And she did such a great job last time. We said, you know, we want you to pick whatever topic you want. Uh, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she had about an hour to prepare for that. So she got to rack her brain and. Um, and so we came up with this idea of, of toxicity and dealing with this concept of what is toxic and what is not toxic and how do we handle things that are toxic. So tell me a little bit about, you know, why, why you chose that and why that was of interest to you. Um, I just feel like a lot of people could probably relate to it. And there's definitely a lot of material that I personally can uh, contribute to the topic. Gosh. I think I've had more toxic relationships than healthy ones. So, Oh, that's interesting. That's <laughs> that's a, that's a good disclosure right off the bat. I thought you were going to say you were like were the toxic person in most of your relationships. Probably was. Yeah. Probably was. So. So this common denominator somewhere, right? <clears throat> it's got long brown hair. <laughs> Must be. Must be. Well, it's interesting. So I was doing a little bit of research for this, and it's funny because toxic is one of those words that we hear kind of all the time nowadays, and um, most people probably can't pick up on it right away just by the the camera angles. But there is a bit of an age difference between me and you. And, uh, you know, one thing as I sat thinking about this topic was when I was coming up, when I was, you know, a teenager in, in school, you know, even as a young adult in college, like, I don't think I ever heard the word toxic um, except for like materials, right? Like you'd see something under the sink right, or food is like non-toxic, <laughs> like crayons are non-toxic. So like you can eat those, but like this is toxic. So like don't. But your generation, it feels like this is a very... It's almost trendy. Tell me more about that. So what do you mean by that? I feel like, I don't know, there are certain words that people like may not fully like research or understand and they hear like one little thing about it and they're like, oh, this just describes it perfectly. So they'll cling to that for nearly like everything. Yeah. And toxic seems to be one of them. Like they'll see one... Something that goes wrong or something that they think is like a little bit undesirable and they're like, must be toxic, need to uh, cancel culture. 
Gotcha. Oh my God. Same thing. It's like, oh, canceled immediately. Not dealing with it. Just not good for me. It's not good for my energy. I'm going to, you know, devote my energy to things that are worthy of me. And that's such a yeah. thing. I mean, yeah, to an extent, yeah. you've got to protect your energy and whatever else and, you know, respect yourself. But there's also a point where you need to take some responsibility, I would think, because it takes two to tango, sure. as they say. Sure. And- <laughs> yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Because I, I, you know, when you say trendy, like, I wonder if there's a time in your life where like toxic hasn't been out there and part of the lexicon. Like, have you just always been aware of that term? Have like, as far as I remember, friends, media, music, social media, like it feels like it's all over the place now. Um, First thing I think of is Britney Spears, toxic. It's See, real. It's really been around. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes, yes. So you stole my line because at the end of this, I was going to say I blame Britney Spears for all of this, right? And in my generation, it was like System of a Down. I think they had a toxicity oh, song. Yes, yes, yeah. So Ian, I don't know what the I don't know what it costs, but you know, maybe in the final product, you can drop in a couple music clips there because <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I think that's where it all started. But it's interesting you say, like, people assign it to things and say, like, okay, I'm toxic, this is toxic, he's toxic. But I wonder if that awareness is out there about what that even means, right? Like, is there a shared definition? So from your perspective, your generation, or you individually, your experiences, like, how would you even define what toxic is? Like, what is toxic to you? Um, I mean, very generally, I would say that toxic is anything that brings you more harm than good. Um, it's the situation that you don't benefit from as much as it depletes you. Um, whether it be your fault, someone else's fault, combination of the both, no one's fault. I, th- I think that's how I'd probably define it. Gotcha. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Because I went, I went hunting uh, for definition, and I think I looked at like 50 different sources, and there were like 50 different definitions. Yeah. It was a little bit around this concept of, of negative impact yeah. and what it yeah. does to you. Um, so it almost becomes like shorthand um, for those combination of experiences, right. if that makes sense. Right, and that's why it's so widely used, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you mentioned cancel culture as a piece of that. Like, it, you know, for you, your social group, your friend group, like if somebody gets labeled as toxic um, or you in your personal relationships identify like, well, I think my, my significant other is toxic, is that justification enough and that's the reason to cut and run? Like what changes if something gets labeled as toxic? It's really hard, I suppose, because I mean, if you, if it's the first time you're thinking something's toxic, obviously you shouldn't make any like drastic decisions. You should probably reflect and like think about it a little bit. But if you've been thinking that something's not right or something is toxic um, uh, for, I don't know, maybe like a month or two months, it's different for everyone. Probably I'd say in a relationship for me personally, I'd pick like a month or two give it a little bit of time for maybe someone to finish going through what they're going through. If something's happening to them or they're <laughs> grieving or, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. and they <laughs> snap a little bit and maybe have a few more mental breakdowns than usual. <laughs> so, right. you know, things can happen that, you know, aren't ideal and you have to, that's part of being in relationships, right? Is working through that with the other person and being there for them and helping bring out the best in them. And cause they do that for you. Yeah. Um, so like it, it's, it's really hard to label something as, in my opinion, Sure, you know, it's funny, right? So like in just the five to 10 minutes we've been sitting here, it, I agree with your last name. It's really hard to label something as a fixed trait, like the idea of a toxic person, right? Like in every scenario, no matter who they're with, like they're going to be the toxic one. Right. It doesn't make sense. It's just. Right. But at the same time, when we first sat down, we kind of both agreed like everything's getting labeled. Like right. it's used so much. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So I don't know. I don't know how to make sense of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's tricky because, I mean, I think, I mean, maybe people don't want to look into it more because they might think that that's not the answer they're looking right. for and they just want to say, oh, no, that's it. I'm good with that. Like, right. it's just toxic and I'm done. Sure. So it's, e- it's easier to kind of escape and yeah. avoid that way. I don't know. I'm sure as a therapist, you see that sure. somewhat frequently. Yeah. Toxic, I mean, uh, avoidant behaviors. Well, I, I think any label, right? So what it does remind me of, so you know, back in the day, um, <laughs> when some of the psychobabble, right, and the diagnostic terms became more widespread, mm-hmm. right? And people would say, um, I'm codependent, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, that replaced needy. Like, you know, I was like a little bit needy. Now I'm, oh, I'm so codependent, right? right. Um, de- depressed replaced sad. Um, and having a bad day, you know, um, there was really no awareness of the diagnostic criteria behind it, but these labels just flew, right? Um, I'm anxious became, I have, I have anxiety. True. As if it's like I have a left arm, like it's always there. You know what it I mean? It is me. That is that is what I am now. Right, and, and so that's the danger, right? Like that's what I worry about. So anytime you give a diagnosis to somebody, there is a potential positive in the sense that people go, "Oh, this helps me understand what right. I'm going through. This externalizes it. This isn't me inherently bad. Right. It's a condition that can be dealt with." Right. There's the flip side that happens. The I am where like, oh. I am this, right? And so... Someone well, told me it. Yeah, it's deflating, right? It's like, oh, I, don't, I can't do anything about this. It also can become a bit of a cop-out, right? So I'm sorry I didn't clean my room. My ADD was acting up. Or <laughs> I just had other things I wanted to do, and I, this is the bucket I can... That's my priority, you know? To. So, yeah. yeah. So um, you had made a comment early on. So it, it's funny. Two of the situations where we hear toxic the most are like workplace... And then relationships. You know, if you, if you go look, it's not sort of like fixed trait, which I think is really key for people to understand. If you get labeled as toxic, it could be a transitional thing. You could have been acting toxic right. or doing toxic things, right. but it doesn't mean you're toxic, like right. you're spoiled or, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, but specific to those two circumstances, as far as workplace culture, as far as relationship culture, have you had experience with either one of those or both of those, which have been mm-hmm. more prevalent for you? Um, I mean, I would say I've been in more toxic relationships than toxic workplace relationships only because I used to have this really bad habit of like just leaving if I thought a workplace wasn't good for me and it wasn't like if something would go wrong, just something I would feel like, oh no, I made a mistake and they don't want me here anymore. And Mm. I should just never show up again because it's better for everyone. And I'm just going to ghost and run away. And that's what I would do. I had a habit of doing that until I was like, wait a minute, like you, that's not sustainable and it's not helping me. And I'm stuck in this pattern because of what I'm doing to myself, because of what I'm telling myself about Mm. the situation. So it's really hard to say if it was actually a toxic situation, like relation, uh, right. workplace situation, or right. if it was just my perception right. of it, like not being able to cope properly with situations that would arise. Sure. Sure. Because that's what happens when you like go someplace every day. Like situations will arise. You'll have good days, bad days, yeah. and that's kind of life. Yeah. So it took me a while to <laughs> realize saying, that. It feels like an evolved understanding. It doesn't oh. feel like in the moment oh, no. you were thinking that. That's new information up here. Gotcha. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> new, new as of when? Like, how did that understanding evolve? Because I think it is a, a mature perspective on it. And I see people kind of do the label cut and run thing. But you're like, no, I have a role here. This is a relationship. Like, there's a system at work here that I'm contributing to. Like, how did that change for you? And it started that- at a new. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm so proud of my like my longevity here. I'm yeah. like, whoa, six months. I'm on a roll. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's really great because I feel like I've personally overcome a lot of obstacles where I have felt those same feelings that I've felt before. Like, gotcha. oh my god, I made a mistake. I just shouldn't go back. They don't want me there. But then, like every single time, like. It's also, it's been a part to you guys being so absolutely wonderful and reminding me like, no, we absolutely do want you here. Like, are you good? Like, how are, like, can we help? And so that reassurance, it just reminds me like, yeah, no, don't worry about that part. And then like the whole mistake thing is people make mistakes. You cannot be perfect. And like, it matters what you do after that and how you take care of it and like how you grow from it. And if you can learn from a mistake, that's like, that's impressive. That's growth. That's what people are doing, you yeah. know? Yeah. And you kind of want that when you talk about a mature understanding of it, you know, from an employer standpoint, you kind of want people out there making mistakes because you can avoid, yeah, you can avoid all the mistakes in the world by just not, not doing much and hiding. And so, well, that's good. Congratulations on your, your longevity. I didn't know we were setting records. Oh no, we are. Yeah. It's a personal record out here. My, that's cool. my other one was like Barnes and Noble for like a year and a half. That was my first job. Ever. Nice. So we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we're so coming afraid. for you, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heads up. You're on notice. So um, if the workplace thing hasn't been the predominant area for toxicity to kind of show up, it's sort of more of your own stuff. How did it appear in relationships? And like at the time, did you know you were in toxic relationships? Or is this all like retrospective looking back and you realize? I would say it's kind of a combination of both. I mean, there was one point in my life where... I guess kind of recently, within the past five years or so, I moved out to Colorado. And when I got there, I had actually sold my car prior. I had moved out with my boyfriend at the time. And like, we were arguing pretty much the whole way down there. We like thought we were going to turn back so many times. I know. And then I got there and I like, I ended up taking this door knocking job because it was the only thing around. And so I was like wandering the streets of Denver, not knowing where I was, knocking on doors trying to sell windows gotcha. no one wants windows like right. sold to them at their front door at like oh. in the middle of the day by some girl who right. needs to stop talking with her hands um, <laughs> no you're fine you're fine it's these filters i told you about these filters so. <laughs> they've come back to haunt us already <laughs> yeah um, coming in episode two no filters right. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's can you remind me of the question again? I yeah, so what I'm, what I'm curious about in terms of toxicity, right? I mean, the selling windows in Denver sounds awesome, but... Oh, right. Yeah. The, yep. Okay, yeah. so after that, I... Uh, <laughs> ha ha. There's my hand. <laughs> Sorry about that. that Put the pen um, down. So... <laughs> the delight you took in my... Now you've bumped the boom and I've, I've dropped the pen. Like, we're cool. Well, I felt we're like, like it was so even, even that. Right? Yeah, I was yeah. like, cool, perfect. Okay, okay. Um, so after that, um, I, you know, realized I was unhappy. And then, like, one day, my hair started falling out in the shower. Not just, like, little, like, things here and there. Like, actual alopecia. I got alopecia because I was mm-hmm. so stressed. So it took that for me to actually say wait like something's wrong here I can't just keep pretending that oh like I'll I'll get through this I'll get through this like yeah you can push yourself but like how much I found that like people have limits um and you should respect those for your own sake 
For sure. And not to chuck anybody under the bus, but like, as you look back on it, were there specific toxic traits in your partner that were causing these physical reactions or was it your contribution or your reaction to it as well that was sort of feeding that? I wonder if it was like I was with a toxic person or if it was this is a toxic interaction. I didn't feel like I labeled him as a bad person or toxic person ever. I really genuinely felt like we just had irreconcilable differences that we did not know were irreconcilable. And we kept trying to say, oh no, like convincing each other almost, like taking turns convincing each other my way is the right way, no, my way is. And we never really came to an agreement on the very important things. Yeah, So The core value stuff. Yeah, 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 very views on the world and, for example, like medical things and, you know, other things. You know, important things. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think I labeled him as toxic, but... See, I, I actually think that that's good. Like, we're supposed to avoid good and bad, but I don't care. Like, I think yeah. it's good. <laughs> because, like, that person I may be off in a, a wonderfully happy relationship. You could be off in a wonderfully happy relationship, right? <laughs> and how could that be? If it's two toxic people, wouldn't they just take exactly. the toxicity down the road? So it can't be a fixed trait. I don't think it is. The same way nothing else is really a fixed trait. Like one day you're, I don't know, you may have hobbies. You can have hobbies, right? Hobbies come and go. Traits can come and go too, right? Yeah, I I think so. I think so. I mean, there's some things, right? Like I'm right-handed. Like that's not likely to change, right? right? (laughs) But like if I'm angry, I'm not always angry. Right. And that's one of the things we work really hard with our clients to understand and just people in general is, if you're in a negative state, okay, and you see, you, they come in with this all or nothing kind of vibe, like mm-hmm. I'm always pissed off, or I'm always having relationship problems, or I'm always, or, or I'm never mm-hmm. okay, you know. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you really break it down and get, you know, to a diary level of kind of minute by minute, hour by hour, okay, maybe you're ticked off two hours out of the day. So that means 22 hours out of the day, you're cool. Like you're not that. But maybe you're just marinating on it. Right. So you feel right. like... And they take the exception, they use it as a defining characteristic. Mm-hmm. I'm an angry person. Yeah. I'm angry two hours out of every 24. That makes me an angry person. Right, so. and then I, I wonder if that almost encourages them to kind of substantiate that and maybe act that way. Is that how that works? Uh, I think, it, so yeah, now we're, now we're going down a whole different you know, road. But I think, <laughs> no, no, I think we prove ourselves right above all else, even if it's unhealthy. And if you see yourself a certain way, identity is such a big piece of this. And if you see yourself as a type of person. A toxic person. I'm going to, I, I'm going to identify with the things that back up that diagnosis of right. self, right? So if I see myself, if we're using toxicity, if I see myself as I'm a healthy person, but I'm having relationship troubles, right? I'm going to look at the different things that are contributing to my health. And that's what I'm going to give weight to. Like you see what you look for. Over and over. And the strongest sort of reinforcement to the brain is to be able to say, I knew it. Even if it's like horribly unhealthy. It feels so good. It feels good. I knew it because it's like that <laughs> sense of order in the world, right? I knew it. I knew it. I bleeped up again because I'm a bleep up. I knew it. Yeah. And that still, that dopamine rush, it still feels good, right? So yes, you're onto something there. I think a lot of it is identity. And that's why I'm really picking at this idea of a toxic person versus like toxic behaviors right. or toxic interactions. So it's interesting. So I did, I did a little bit, right? So this is, maybe you've had this experience, maybe not. This is off the internet, so you know it's 100% accurate. I mean, it's, you know, Google magic, right? Page one. Uh, so some of the signs that you're actually in a toxic relationship, which I like that, instead of you're with a toxic person. Right. You're in a toxic interaction, a toxic relationship. Uh, you don't feel safe, okay? And so it basically talks about how 
you know, whether it be physically or emotionally, you can't express yourself, you can't be who you are, or abuse, whatever, you're not feeling safe. That can be a toxic, destructive pattern. Um, there's bad or non-existent communication. I think that's a <laughs> so, Did you feel the bad or the non-existent? Which one did you feel? It was non-existent, and if it was there, it was bad, so... Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> and all behavior is communication, right? So if you're trying to interact with me and I'm giving you this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am communicating, right? But not a very positive, yeah, right? Not a very positive thing. Uh, you feel neglected or exploited? That's a big one. Oh, okay. Neglected. Neglected? Neglected emotionally. Just unheard or just ignored? Um, Ignored. Like I would speak sometimes in previous relationships and like wait for a response. And like I know some men can sometimes be thick-headed, but oh my God, it's like I was not even speaking out of my mouth. Like, and I would repeat myself and he would be, you know, on his phone or something, but like, can you really not like hear? Yeah. 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 Like, is it really like shut off? I don't know. The phones are, the phones are great. Right. So those are such excellent stonewalling devices. So if you look at John Gottman, I think university of Washington, but he's out of, he looks at like the four horsemen of the relationship apocalypse. Right. And if these things are present in your relationships, it's likely to fail within the next three to five years. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Um, and, but one of them is stonewalling. It's that. It's yeah. the shutting out. It's the blocking. It's the not acknowledging. It's the discounting. Because boy, doesn't that make us like five years old back in class again? Like teacher, uh, teacher, and nobody calls on you. Yes, you know? and I had that too. So I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's all over again. So I have a question for you at the end of this list, but we're gonna get through the list. Uh, you feel like you've lost yourself. Um, you know, people look back in their relationships. They're like, how did I become that person? Right. Right? It's like, right. who was that? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause one of the kind of little phrases we say is like, if they treated you the way they're treating you today on day one, mm-hmm. would there have been a day two, you know? Right. And we lose sight of that. Right. Because we're like, well, we've got a year into this and this is how it's gone. We're not dressing up anymore. We're wearing the sweatpants. We're in our comfies. We're watching our show. You know, it's not flowers every week, you know? And that's okay. I'm not saying that people have to, like, have their butts kissed constantly. I think there should be a certain point in relationships where you've earned some time to relax. Absolutely. You say, you've put in this much work. You should know, okay? You should know. We're good. That's true. Like, let me relax for two seconds, please. I can't prove it every day. Yeah. Your partner shows you judgment, not curiosity. Right? How's your day is curiosity. Why'd you do that? It's judgment, yeah. you know, brutal. Um, you feel belittled and ashamed, you know, that's tough. Not just question, but like really mm-hmm. the demeaning. And obviously, there's a, like extreme examples of the abusive side of that, but there's also the little cutting, you know what I mean? Right. You're going to wear that kind of right. stuff, you know? Or like I remember I would feel competitive. Um, with my significant other when it came to like jobs like oh I wasn't making as much as him or like I wasn't as successful as he was I know guys have told me they don't care about that as much in my experience but I still feel like that's belittling to me because I mean there will be times where he's like oh would you like any money for that I'm just Uh, like no I made some thank you yeah like I'm good yeah and his version of that is like I was trying to help Right. right. And so it's perspective and yeah. 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 I, was, I was a sports guy. I played tons of sports growing up and there's no quicker way to, to break a team apart than everybody start looking at their stats. I had this many points. I made this much money. You know, I got, you know, because yeah. that becomes an I, not a we mm-hmm. kind of situation. You know, uh, you don't receive empathy, uh, maybe impatience instead. You're playing, you're playing into the dysfunctional role. So it's funny because one of my questions is as you 
you kind of nod your head to a lot of this. It's like, yeah, but then why'd you keep doing it? You know what I mean? Like, and not, it wasn't, you're not the only person who does that, but it's an interesting thought. Like you're playing into that new destructive pattern. I wonder if it's maybe because I might've felt deep down, like I am contributing to this. I'm guilty. I need to fix it. The longer I stay here, the more chance I have to fix this. There it is. And there was no chance of fixing there's that, it. There's my old friend codependency showing up that we talked about earlier. You're like, I'll fix it. I'll save it. This has to be me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you feel controlled or manipulated, closes out the list. And then this last one I, I love so much. You're living under a cloud of rage. Ah. Um, and for men especially, that, that anger, that rage uh, gets turned inward. And you can see the depression you can yeah. see the panic attacks. You can see the drinking, the drug abuse, substance abuse, things like that. So, yeah. And that's hard to see, too. You don't want to see someone going through that. And then again, you feel guilty. You're like, oh, my God, I did that to them. That's right. So I have to stay even longer because I've got to put more in to fix this. You've got to really fix this now. Yeah. Like, so is that kind of the primary aspect of it is just that guilt that kind of kept you around? Or was there, like, hope you would fix it? Or Both, because I think part of me was like, well, is he not as sad as I am about this? Because he seems mm. to not care at all. And, and like, is, is what's happening not really happening? Because there's not really a reaction from him, but I feel this way. And so we weren't feeling the same way about the same things that were happening. And it was like creating a disconnect. I was like, I didn't trust how I felt because he wasn't, but I needed that validation from, I don't know, lots of. Yeah. Lots of things going on up there. Is this really happening is, is something that really stands out there because that's yeah. some of the gaslighting stuff that can happen. You don't have a shared view of reality at this point. Kind of leads you to question yourself. Like, every day. I'm kind of cracking up here a little bit because I don't know what's real. No, yeah, every day. I was like, okay, if I say something that is going to start an argument, is it better be like a fact? Because gotcha. if my perception's not going to cut it, like, it better have actually factually happened. Wow. So you're, you're coming with evidence. Yes. Get your, do your homework. Yes. Right? Yeah. Literally seeing what you're looking for <laughs> yes. and that kind of stuff. So, so going through that, and, and I mean, you know, we talk about this relationship, some of the family stuff. I know from previous you know, episodes you shared that sometimes the relationships in school were tough. What, um, other than just being in a crappy relationship or being unsatisfied in your relationship, what were some of the impacts to you? I mean, you're talking physical impacts with the alopecia developing. I mean, how did this impact you mental health wise, physical health wise? I mean, what was the cost? Because we think, well, I'll hang in here and I'll fix it. And it's just what I've done. And it's no big deal. And I can get through it and I can deal with it. But there are some real costs to that decision to like stick around and keep kind of hammering around at that. So what did, what did you experience on the mental health or the physical health side because of that toxicity? I think after blaming myself for so long it sort of became ingrained that like I am the cause of all that is bad in my relationships mm. and I, I might have actually not labeled other people as toxic but I might have maybe subconsciously labeled myself and it caused me to like shut down and not reach out to others as mm. much like I have a very very small list of friends now like that's and I think partially it's because I don't necessarily trust myself to engage in something and be not the problem um, just because of experiences that I think I've had and then me telling myself okay if I have to fix this subconsciously it must be my fault and then when you walk away from things and they're not fixed because that you can't fix everything and like that's what I learned in that relationship that wasn't gonna get fixed and we have to go our separate ways and then I felt like oh my god like I've been never doing that again nope not opening up again Mm-mm. just to even to even friends you know, just friendship. 
it's hard to trust yourself. I think we went through, we went through the pandemic recently. And I think, um, what we're all learning about us as humans is that isolation is not good. And the, right. And there's a lot of, there's a big cost to isolation. So through the shutdowns and the lockdowns and things like that, um, I know it, a new practice we've seen anxiety through the roof, depression, substance abuse through the roof. Kids, especially teenagers, are getting hit so hard. Um, but it's funny because the first thing when it talks about how toxic relationships affect your mental health, it talks about how toxic relationships isolate you from other more empowering and supportive relationships. So if you're not, it's an opportunity cost. If you're spending your time on the negative side and you're not having those positive things to kind of balance it out and see yourself in a different way, we take. Uh, what is just sort of a, a dynamic and it becomes a fixed trait. I'm the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you have to deal with it in isolation. Yeah. Go home and think about it. <laughs> <How's> that? Right. <laughs> and then you want to be right. So you're like thinking of all the reasons you are toxic and reminiscing all the bad things. And right. it's just <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so fun. It's like really how I want to spend my Friday. Well, and it's hard because we were talking about young people being more impacted by it too. A lot of our obviously early relationships, a lot of these lessons are learned when we're very young, right? These patterns develop. You start dating, you know, some in junior high, some, you know, high school, a little bit more serious college for sure. Or after high school, whatever. So you've got a brain that's not fully developed because it continues to change and develop. You've got some emotional development that's not there. You're short on lived experiences, right? You got a lot of energy, but you're short on experience. And now you're doing these formative type of activities and getting these messages about self others and how relationships work and it really can set you up for you know some people do this their whole life yeah yeah that's that's a scary thought like i don't want to do this my whole life you know i'm like okay trying to process this because i think mostly everything can be worked through you know with the whole toxic thing like even if you do have a toxic moment or you have toxic things that you recognize i think that's the most important part because if you recognize them you can do something about it right like oh i agree and i think that you're on your journey with that you're kind of elements of that are showing up do you have any friends or family no names but are there people in your life that you're aware of that maybe you see repeating those same patterns that you worry aren't gaining that awareness i mean yeah yeah, definitely. I definitely have some relatives who just, you know, maybe in the past have had circumstances which I would have handled differently. Sure. And then it's hard to see someone else um, handle them in like a way that's not as beneficial to them as maybe I might have thought of. You know, I could have thought of something that would help them better. Yeah. And I would have liked to at least have the chance to share that with them before it was so mm. sporadically just acted upon. And I feel like that was, that was what bothered me. Like there was a common, like, it was very common of them to just act. No thinking, no thinking. That doesn't happen. Just do it and see what happens later. And act in some of those same negative patterns and just kind of repeat the behaviors. Like you didn't see the progression or. No, it was always the same kind of like you, something would make them upset and then they would like, I don't know. They would always go out to like drink or something yeah you know and they couldn't ever they would never sit alone with themselves and mm. just deal with it um they ought to have gotten this habit i think of maybe trying to not deal with it it's funny you mentioned the substance abuse stuff because that does rise kind of almost in a direct proportion to the negativity you're experiencing the things it's it's an outlet right and we work with um 
you know, so ANU has a new behavioral health. We have the mental health side, but we also have the AIR program. So a new integrated recovery where we deal with these substance abuse issues primary. And, you know, you got to be careful with blanket statements. Nothing's all and nothing's never. Right. But in the vast majority of cases, it, this issue of addiction and substance abuse, um, it's often not the problem, right? And people show up and they're like, I have a drinking problem. But what you end up finding out is that you have a drink, you have other problems that you're treating with your drinking, Right. And then it's become an issue, right? Because there are physical, psychological, physiological changes behind the consumption of these substances. But it's just very rare that the person comes through that says, like, hey, I, I'm drinking or I'm using drugs. And that's it. You know, idyllic childhood, no trauma, right. no relationship problems, emotional regulations at 10. I just happened to drink a lot and it took over. Uh, that can be the experience if you don't have the awareness of the other problems that are really driving it, right? And so when you look at adverse childhood experiences or, um, you know, it's, it's often a coping mechanism. I feel better. You go out, you take a drink, you use, you smoke, whatever. In the immediate, you feel better. It works. That's why drugs are so tough to get because they work, you know. But then the habitual use becomes your primary problem. And what you often find is it's not. It's your coping skill that got out of control. Like a crutch, right? Excuse me. <clears throat> and the longer you use the crutch, you're not developing the strength, you know, in your core systems to, exactly. be able to carry that weight. That's like how it appears. Yeah. That's yeah. how I'm seeing it. And it's it's frustrating because you care for right. that person and there's only so much you can do, right? Right. Cause and that's hard. Cause then you're battling internally, should I be doing more? Could I have done anything different? I'm failing another person. Right. I'm not helping this person. I'm going to save them now. Right. <laughs> it's my responsibility. I have yeah. to. Like, yeah. But like, how? when do you draw that line, you know? That's a fabulous question, right? <laughs> yeah. And it would also be highly individual, different for every person. And I think it ties into our core topic here of toxicity. You know, when you're experiencing a toxic interaction, right? Like, you've got to do something different. You've got to, right? So how long do you do it? You do it as long as you can. And you care about these people and you love them. You hang in there. But, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about what to do if you find yourself in a toxic dynamic to kind of break that cycle. And there's things like investing in your own mental health, your own development, getting breaks. You're not a 24-hour crisis line where you're always on call for that person. You know what I mean? So having healthy boundaries yourself are really key. Um, I mean, you give to charity after you pay your bills or else everybody ends up homeless. Right. And so it's the same thing on the emotional side. You have to make sure that those emotional needs are met. Mask on the plane. Then what's left, you can give away. You can give to the people that you care about in your life. But if you don't get that core stuff and you know, your needs met, um, everybody just kind of ends up in the same situation. So um, it's funny because some of the things you're mentioning, you know, affecting mental health, isolation, uh, becoming negativity, becoming part of your everyday life. That becomes kind of your new, when's it going to happen? When's the fight going to happen? I'm going right. to be ready for it. You know? Right. So you're walking in a negative state. Uh, you can internalize and experience lower self-esteem yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's wrong with me? Oh, yeah. I, you know, you made a comment before we sat down about I was the common denominator. Yeah. And a lot, <laughs> right? Is it just bad luck over and over? Is there, am I, am I picking? Do I have a type? Uh, Is it, am I picking, you know, not as good as I should be? I don't know. Am I, contri- am I picking fine? But then when I get into the situation, am I doing things that, you know, are comfortable to me because I don't know any different? And even though it's not the right thing to do, it's what I know. And I haven't gotten the courage or wherewithal to learn. Yeah. I don't. It's tough. 
Well, and the courage part is the courage to honestly ask yourself why, right? right? Without judgment. Not like, why do I keep doing this? I'm such a fool. But like, why? Why have my last three boyfriends been abusive? Am I just, it's bad luck? Or why have I ended up unhappy in every one of these relationships, you know? And really answering that, even if it's tough to answer that, because you might be part of that, right? (laughs) You know? But I think that courage to ask yourself why and to be open to what those answers are. And really, you've kind of stumbled into what therapy is is all about. Because sometimes it's hard to give yourself those answers. You're just a little too close to the problem and the solution. So you need an external person to take a look and kind of hold that mirror up and say, well, maybe, what about this? Maybe this. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. You know, I see it in a different way. So, and that's, I'm always interested in the difference because you're, you're on your journey. What is the difference between somebody like you who is gaining that insight um, and is on her journey of discovery and is improving and, and evaluating and these other folks who stay stuck in those patterns? What do you think? And no, we're not saying you're a finished product. Nobody is. A lot of work to do on all sides, but you, you know, you seem to have people in your life who aren't even starting the work you're trying. Like, what do you think the difference is between somebody who, you know, starts that and somebody who just stays stuck? You know, I would love to know. I really (laughs) would. I've been trying to figure out like why it happens for some people and why Mm -hmm. it doesn't for others. Um, I mean, I think it comes down to wanting something to be different or knowing it can be. Because I'm sure that they want things to be different, but maybe they are unaware that there is the potential for life to be different. Because it is all they have known previously. I'm not totally sure. But I'm thinking that there hasn't been enough risk taking because there's been too much hanging out in the comfort zone. Um, and that's really frustrating for me to watch because like, that's not the point in my opinion, that's not the point of being here on this whole big experience that we're on. That's not the point. Like we're not made to sit and put our feet up and relax. We're made to contribute and move and love and, you know, all kinds of good things and learn. So I feel like when I see them in that situation and I know that no matter what I tell them, it's not going to change that if it's it feels i feel hopeless i do or helpless rather helpless the the leading the horse to water but not making them oh yanking the horse like (laughs) pulling the thing (laughs) and then like you just kind of pull its head down into the water like come on go and it's just like (laughs) 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 yeah yeah or worse or kicking you know or bucking you know it'll buck at you and run away yeah and it's like, why would you, why would you do that to me? And then they're mad at you for trying to put your, their sure. head in the water. Sure. And it's just like, would you just trust me for a second? Like, but if you go back to your original statement of like, maybe they don't know it's possible. Sometimes yeah. the best way you can help somebody is to live that different example. Right. right. So maybe right. it's not about dunking their head to get a drink. Maybe it's about getting them close enough to see, and then you take a drink. You know what exactly. I mean? You show how life can be a little bit different. Because I wonder, like, if you, I mean, I'm just total shot in the dark, but I wonder about your early examples of how relationships work. Parents, aunts, close family people, like, did you have good examples of healthy boundaries, healthy relationships, functional relationships? Or were they kind of off and then those were your early examples? Because I think without the early role modeling, how are you supposed to know? Right, because you're consuming your relationships through media, or right. God forbid, social media, or you're watching one of these stupid 
bachelor shows. Do you think that's how relationships like work or married at first sight and, you know, oh, you know 90 day fiance, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the names, I know they're out there, but I also know it's like, Whoa, like, I don't know if that's the experiences I want for my son or my daughter or, or myself. So, so I don't know. Did you feel like you had good relationship role models going on? I, I think they were good, but not necessarily traditional gotcha. at that point. Like, my grandparents have been together for almost, oh, I think over 60 years wow. now. So that's pretty neato. Yeah. But I think my dad left the immediate picture when I was around five. Gotcha. Um, I have a very good relationship with him. Sure. Part, like directly and my mom, she's my best friend. Yeah. Um, but they weren't, and I lived away from my family for like my whole life. This is the first time I've been in Keene around everyone gotcha. living gotcha. ever. Like I never did that. Wow. So it's you're setting right re- you're setting records all over the place. All over the place. It's my year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better be. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it's interesting. And um, you know, neglecting self-care practices is another impact. And then one thing I did want to talk about is being in constant fight or flight mode can trigger your health conditions. And I wonder um, if that's not some of the alopecia and things like that, not to do any diagnosis, but you know, when you think about your, your, your sympathetic nervous system, your parasympathetic ner- nervous system, fight or flight, uh, you know, you think about your adrenal glands and you think about cortisol, which is just kind of this rocket fuel that prepares us for these fights. That's what they shot in my head. Oh, they shot what cortisol? 50 shots into my head to try to fix it. To fix alopecia? Didn't work. Yeah. Just gave you a bunch of bumps. I don't need, it hurts so bad. Yeah. Numbing with ice cubes. I was yeah. like, excuse you? Right. What are you doing? Ouch. And they got mad at me because I had to lay there for like 30 minutes. They're like, we don't have the resources for this. The resources for people to lay? Yeah. Gotcha. I don't, yeah. <laughs> and recover? I don't know. So. So, well, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I don't know what the, the non-traditional treatment there. I don't know. But, um, so cortisol. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's, yeah. Anyway, so, um, you know. If you're driving your car and you're just jamming the gas off and on, off and on, you know, your engine's going to blow, right? If you're putting the wrong fuel in the tank and it's just this rocket fuel of cortisol, which prepares you for battle, um, you know, you're going to burn out your systems. Your adrenal glands are going to get shot. Cortisol levels are going to spike and you're just going to feel, that's where you feel tired all the time. You're highly reactive. You tend to go anger quick, right? Then collapse, you know, sleep after, Yawn recover. immediately. You're like, oh God. Yes. You're oh. just, you're spent. You're spent, right? And so um, a little bit before your time, but like there used to be these old video games where you had your health bar and when you're taking hits. I think I've seen those. It'll go down. Yeah. Yeah. It'll go down. But when you're not taking the hits, it fills up. Right? Slowly come. Okay. So that's what it is. If you're always taking the hits, <laughs> what's your emotional, you know, bar on, it's going to be constantly low. Right. So any little disruption, like, I don't know, a bad day at work, you've got, you've got no resources to handle it. So yes. I'm out of here. Yes. I can't handle it. Right. <laughs> I can't fight. So I have to flight, yes, you know, that's how it felt. so, and that's, it's great when you can finally get off of that, that roller coaster of vroom, cortisol collapse, so cortisol collapse. <laughs> <laughs> well, and more sustainable, right? right. More sustainable. You focus on other things besides just regulating, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're right. Or survival. Right. Right. Like maybe I have passions, interests, yeah. hobbies. I might like something. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> So, so the big question with all this is, right, we've identified the problem. We can see how this creates these issues, a clear connection to mental health. So if somebody's listening to this and they feel like they're in a toxic relationship or they've identified a toxic dynamic, 
What should they do? What, do, what is your recommendation? It's like, what can they do about it? Are they just stuck? In my humble opinion, I'd say that if they have recognized it, that's an awesome first step. Um, I think even more than that, like the next step would probably be like getting way more specific. Like, okay, there's toxic going on. Well, what? When? With whom? What is it? recurring was it once like really identify because again people have bad days people have bad weeks months you know like how how invested are you in this relationship you know like what are you willing to give to this like when is your what's your cutoff so i I think like think about it for don't do anything rash yeah don't anything don't think quick um unless of course like you're in a physically abusive relationship in which case be very rash like run run away as fast as possible um, literally, but <laughs> right. But what if they say they're sorry and, and um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one thing right. to say it. Yeah. It's another thing to like actually feel okay. This yeah. person is remorseful because I think like yeah. your gut instincts will point you in the right direction. And I do think we have to acknowledge just just to be sensitive to everybody's situation that um, due to lack of resources, due to some real abuse, right. uh, cutting and running is a tough. Thing, Correct. you know, Correct. without a doubt, you know, I mean, it's hard to just right. say like, okay, I'm done. I will say when we're looking at this and in my experience, everything sort of ends with that, right? Like there's all these other steps about acknowledging, gaining awareness, you know, gaining separation, uh, developing, you know, emotionally disconnecting right. from but it. But then it ends with like, but if it doesn't work and it continues, like you're going to have to find a way to change the dynamic and right. remove that negative influence. So full disclosure, it's tough. Um, yeah. but sometimes there's no yeah. other choice. Right. And to protect like yourself, yeah. you know, yeah. and what you're, what you're here to do. Yeah. Cause again, I don't believe we're just sit here, like supposed to just sit here, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Evolution's key. Yeah. 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 And so some of the recommendations are, you know, accepting the situation. I think that's that acknowledgement of like, I'm really in something here. Yeah. You know, it's not just a bad day. Right. Like something's in there seeking help for that. There are tons of resources, people that can help develop your understanding around this. I mean, that's a big thing sure. that I think a new would want everybody knows like you don't have to do this alone. Right. There's a lot of options for people to help you through that for sure. And it is a, is a buffer against that isolation that may have developed along the way, you know, bring other people into the situation, other perspectives, you know, listen, hear, learn. I was so refreshed to hear my therapist, like give me new input that I hadn't heard from anyone else yeah. in my immediate circle. You know, when I approached her with like, Okay, this is something that's happening. She goes, Have you considered this? Yeah. Whoa, what? Right. Like, all right. of a sudden, like, train of thought broken, like, totally can think of something new now. I'm not stuck in that yep. circle, you know? It's hard. It's hard to solve a problem with the same thinking and the same people who created the problem, mm-hmm. right? And so that outside perspective can be invaluable and it can be subtle. It can be just a little shift. And it's like, Oh, it wasn't anything huge, but it's just yeah. like, we never would have thought of that one. The light gets in. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. They they talked a lot about setting boundaries, both for the toxic person um, and yourself. So, yeah, and that seems, that seems, that's another one of those easy to say. So as you've developed in your boundary setting behaviors, like what's been helpful to you to be able Mm. to do that? Um, Realizing that like it's, it's more selfish for someone else to want you to put their needs above your own. That's more selfish of them to ask you than for you to actually protect your own feelings and know what's best for you. Like no one should ever be asking you to put them above you like that. That's, that's not yeah. nice. Like I wouldn't do that to someone else. Say, you need to regard my feelings over yours mm-hmm. because um, 
I'm obviously more important than you. Sure. I, that's how I feel. Like that would yeah. come across yeah. personally. And I just like, I don't think that's, I don't know. No, I agree. And it's hard because I think people get trapped in that cycle of, but if I care about them, why wouldn't I constantly sacrifice for them? Right? Like that's how I show that love and I show that caring. You're kind of flipping that on its head and saying, no, I'm going to care for me so that I'm actually able to be present in this relationship. Right. And I'm the, I'm not flipping out all the time because I haven't cared for myself and I'm impacting the relationship negatively. And then I create a toxic situation and so forth. Right. You know, that's key. So you could, we talked a little bit about that at the beginning, but you can be in a toxic situation, sometimes be the toxic person, sometimes be the victim of the toxic person. It kind of like changes. Yes. It can totally change. If you're in a relationship with someone else, like I've, and in situations where I feel like I've definitely been more toxic than the other. And I've, I've been in relationships where I feel the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, wow, this, they need to, they need therapy. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's key. Yeah. I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever done like couples therapy or? Um, I have not. I'm not against it. Yeah. I feel like I would have to probably be married. Mm-hmm. Um, like. Unless, or in a very serious sure. relationship. It feels like a big commitment. That. It does. Because, yeah. I don't know, you're paying money and chilling. <laughs> yeah, first date, yeah. like, you know, chili, second date, go to the therapist with me. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right, like, when do you that offer feels, that? Yeah. Like, when are they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fun. Do you want to meet me at the therapist's office? Right, yeah. I'm interested in the second date, but before... Yeah. I think we should go get assessed. Let's unpack our traumas and feel everything. (laughs) Well, that's at least third date behavior, I think. You want to save it to that at least. So so as far as boundary setting, you feel like that's something that you've improved on? I would say so. So, I mean, just in practical sense, how do you do that? Like, how do you set a boundary? Like, you personally, I'm not looking for like a, a, you know, a refined technique, but like, you know, how does that go from like awareness of there needs to be a boundary here to actual implementation, communication of the boundary? How do you handle that? First, I would consider who I'm speaking to because obviously people are going to hear things very different. Like my mother, bless her heart, she's a cancer. Yeah. She's so emotional. I really have got to like... Is that like star sign? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm a Libra, Scorpio cusp, so like a little artsy, yeah. same, you know, but... I, I figured, I, I didn't have the cusp, but I figured all the rest of it, no, I don't, I don't know any of that stuff, so... So she, she's going to hear things different than my Taurus boyfriend, who's very logical, level-headed. She's very different, can speak to them totally differently. So, I mean, if I'm setting a boundary with my mom, I'm going to say, mom, like, um, I think I'm going to do, like, put it on myself and say, I'm going to try this new thing, whatever it might be. Um, so, or, or I tell her if I've had a bad day or something, I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs now. If you need anything, let me know. Love you. That's kind of just what I'll do. I don't make it personal. I don't necessarily give a reason unless it's asked. I just keep it very vague and kind of, you know, do my thing. If there's reasoning that's requested, of course, I'll try and give that. But with her, it'll be very vague with my boyfriend. For example, I would say, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Can you hit me back in like, I don't know, an hour or so? Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, all good. Let me know if you need anything. Sure. So it's different. Yeah. Gotcha. What, what, if, what happens when they um, either in, unintentionally or intentionally don't respect the boundary or don't go along with the new boundary? How do you handle Yeah. So we'll just call it resistance to the boundary. Like what, how do you handle any resistance 
to that boundary? Um, so like first, uh, with my mom, I'll just repeat myself very delicately, just kind of the same thing I just said. If it's still not getting through, um, it, it, that's, that's tricky. That's actually, I'm definitely still working on that. I kind of just slowly back away. Yeah. I'm like, ah, uh, she's like, where are you going? I'm like, eh, go upstairs. Yeah. See, you. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> like I will always excuse myself. Like if I need to emotionally take a break, I need to physically take a break as well. So that's, See, and I think that's huge though. Cause some people feel like that's where the debate happens. They feel like I need agreement on the boundary. And so in order to elicit that agreement, I need to go into debate mode. I need to give them all the reasons for the boundary. Uh-huh. I need to, so if, like, almost like if they don't agree with me that this boundary is a good idea, I can't go and like enjoy the boundary that I've created. Oh. You're like, no, I've stated it. That's your boundary. Yeah. That's not a joke. Like that is like, there are in, what's the, it's like not, you don't argue about it. It's like a, I forget the word, but in i don't know yeah. but uh yeah no like that my sleep time i go yeah. to bed when i go to bed yeah. i am tired you do not keep me up i will not be going out with you like to wherever you want to go i'm getting my beauty sleep and i'll wake up when i want to wake if you're not up that's fine i'll go do something i will be out walking i will go explore i but my time is my time. And when I need, when I need it, that's when I call for it. Cause I honestly, like if I don't do that, yeah. I'm going to be walked over because I'll let it happen to myself. I will. I'll put myself second and say, what do you need? Can I do this for you? Oh, you want to sit here and watch TV with me? Cause you had a bad day. Fine. <laughs> Even though I want to go upstairs and clean my area or play, play my video game of course, or, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Even though I need that. You need this. Yeah. So that's, you can only do that for so long. I found that out the bald way. Yeah, the bald way. The, <laughs> fifth, the 50 injections way. Yeah. <laughs> the ice cubes on your head way. Yeah, let's, let's avoid that. So, yeah. all right, so that's good. No, and I, I put some notes here together because I think you actually have a really good kind of step-by-step plan on, on how to set I've that boundary. I've developed that baby for what? a while. You've earned it. You've, through your lessons and your learning, you've earned that. Um, one final thing before we wrap up on this, this concept of being toxic. So we've talked about you know, what it is, how it affects us, um, what to do with it if you find yourself in a situation, how to set those boundaries. What about awareness around if you're the person being toxic? Like how do you, what do you recommend in terms of self-awareness, in terms of self-analysis? Like as you admitted, you know, I was the toxic person sometimes. What do you do with that? How, what, do you, what advice do you have or how, what kind of information would you give to people about monitoring themselves for toxic behaviors and what to do if they go, oh, maybe this is, maybe this is me. So in my experience, I've personally found like it always stems from hurt. Like you're acting up because that's what you did as a kid and that still works emotionally. And you're trying to sit, like figure out like what's, you know, going on in a way. Um, so I, I gotta say, okay, like there's not, I have no reason to be being so nasty to this person, being so out of character. Like, is something, did I have a bad day? Like, did something happen to me recently? Did something happen to me a while ago that's still bothering me and is now bubbling up over the surface and I'm lashing out at this person? Um, It's a lot of like, it's a lot of painful questions and you're probably going to cry. Or if you don't cry, you'll at least have like a frowny face. You know, like it's not going to feel good, but if you can like push through that and maybe and hopefully there is a real thing that happened and if there's not that's okay too sometimes there's not a tangible reason or whatever sometimes you're just feeling it but 
then what do you do? Like I would, you know, can try to not hurt that person anymore. I mean, definitely apologize ASAP. Like, I mean, the second you feel like you're capable of it, I mean, you don't need to explain yourself necessarily, but you can say, Hey, I'm sorry. I've been being so out of character. Like I'm definitely, I realize this and I'm, I'll get back with you when I have like, you know, either I'm in better spirits or there's something I can help. You can help me with to make me feel better if you're willing, you know, I like that so much because it speaks to this issue of ownership. Right, because I think what you're talking about is fostering a sense of awareness, self-evaluation, and that's great. And you go, okay, here's why I'm doing this. And but, but at the end of the day, it's like, what am I going to do about that? And it's like kind of like the stop, drop, and roll thing. It's like stop, right? Like you know, and then basically you've got to adjust, and you've got to you've got to own it. You know, like so, like stop hurting in that way. Stop reacting in ways that aren't really addressing the core issue. Own it, you know, you got to adjust it here. And I like that you also communicate the terms of engagement. It's not like I'm leaving you. It's I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do what I need to do here. And I'm going to come back to you when Mm -hmm. I can imagine if there's like an anxious attachment style on the other side, that's probably fairly comforting Mm -hmm. to hear like, oh, so you'll be back, Right. you know? Right. And then they like to hear like, if, if you can do anything for me, I will let you know. Right. So if I don't, let you know there's probably nothing you can do, so don't beat yourself up over it. It's, right. it's me. I don't even know what's going on. How am I supposed to, how are you supposed to know if I don't know? Because if you've been the fixer, there may be people in your life that are wanting to fix you. And if right. they can't and you're just off doing your like recharge stuff, right. I feel less than essential, less than necessary. Now my stuff's flared up. Mm-hmm. And so you come back all ready for a healthy relationship and now they're in their and stuff. And they're up and I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> the cycle <laughs> continues, right? And we just do this forever and ever and ever. So Exactly. No, that, that's great. So I, I, think, I think we'd wrap up here. Um, is there anything about being toxic, encountering toxic? I mean, is there anything else that we missed? Any questions that you wanted to explore about this? Or I feel pretty good about what we covered, but I'm wondering what you're thinking. I feel great. I think like the whole like the main idea is that it's not fixed. Yeah. It is not fixed. There is hardly anything that's fixed. I think you can recognize pretty much anything and come forth from it and learn from it and grow with it. Yeah. You know? I love that too, the the for now. You know, I mean, it talks about here about are we in a toxic season, right? Yeah. And which, which is kind of you know, but you know, it's all good. But I mean, you know, it's um, I, I like the the thought behind that language of that it's it's transitional. It's not forever. It's what we're in now. We can pass through that. It's warm right now in New Hampshire. Uh, we know it's not always like this, right? So we're, <laughs> we're enjoying it while we can, right? But it's a season. But also when we're in the winter blahs and the sun goes down at four o'clock and we're all depressed, yeah. we know the sun's coming, right? Exactly. And so it's not like this is not my life forever. This right. is not my reactions forever. It's a for now thing. Cyclical, not linear. Exactly, exactly. Round and around. So, so that's great. So again, thank you for coming in. Heather, you know, for those of you who don't know, is a care coordinator for us. She helps people every day. Your camera's over there. Oh. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I was getting them all. Yeah, that's Be good. inclusive. So um, I don't know. Is there, any, is there any contact info? I mean, do you want to use the office? Is there any social that you want to share? How do people reach you? Or do you even want people reaching you or just kind of through a new like what you can desiring. dm me on tiktok if you want nancy Steeler. otherwise call the office i'm there 8 30 to 5 30 usually so yeah yeah heather's great and she's <laughs> i think to date she's the only care coordinator we have that uses a trampoline as part of her day-to-day work and it's Essential. one of it's one of my favorite things so uh that that's great and and so and to recap i mean for the folks who are watching this obviously 
um, you know, a new behavioral health, um, a N E W B H.com. Uh, we've got locations in Ohio. We've got locations in New Hampshire. Very happy to help, um, a new integrated recovery the same way. Um, one of the big things that came out of our conversation today is that you don't have to do this alone. And that isolation, even with yourself, you can feel very isolated, even in a relationship, you can be in alone in, in a room full of people, even if it's people that you love, because if you're in these sort of toxic traits, um, but you know, I think if you're communicating boundaries and you're wanting to get it stopped, um, you know, Heather's recommendation of considering your audience, uh, who are you talking to and how are they going to receive this information? Use I statements. It's so key, right? Instead of like, you did this or we're just off to say, I'm in a place, right? I'm going to own this, foster that ownership. Uh, don't attack or, or make it a personal thing. It's you. You're working on your stuff. Um, and then basically, you're going to want to use space as a way to recharge. Um, that's a big key for you. And, and to be okay with using space, right? You don't have to apologize for it. It helps everybody because I'm going to come back a better version. Exactly. Don't you want that? Don't you? I guarantee you want that. Himself, you know I mean? <laughs> uh, and then understanding that you don't have to apologize, that your thoughts are valid. Your feelings are valid around this. You, you know, when you're setting a boundary, you don't have to convince the person that it's right. You just have to communicate your boundary, right? You don't sit there and wait for like, so you agree with me that this is a good idea. They may not ever. I'm just communicating to this to you. They may not ever. And that's okay because it's your thing. How could they, yeah. right? It's a separate situation. And then one thing that we kind of glossed over was following through. You were talking about if I don't hold to my boundaries and I just give in, I've just sort of taught them that I'm not serious about this, yeah. you know? And if you are a, a toxic person or think you're a toxic person, um, you know, I think what Heather's recommendation there about like questioning yourself about why am I doing this? Where is this really coming from? You know, what am I really trying to communicate here? All behavior is communication. And you use acting up, which I love that. It's if I'm acting up, you know, why am I acting? Why am I communicating through this crying? You know, you said, or for guys a lot of times and women too, but you know, I've experienced this through my anger. Am I really ticked off at my cell phone when I chuck it, you know, into the woods or am I feeling is, where's this really coming from? What am I really trying to communicate here? Um, you know, and then that stop, you know, stop doing the damage, break the cycle of these patterns, adjust as needed, own it, own it. It's yours. You can do something about it because it's not fixed. So um, I think that's amazing. I think that's great. So we'll, we'll wrap it there. Ian, thank you so much. Producer Ian is here. I don't know if he's, he's not popping up on camera today, but come in, come to follow, you know, follow us, uh, get to other episodes. We'll get Ian behind the table. We'll get him on camera. He does a fantastic job. Uh, I'm sure he's got a story. We all have a story to share. Um, but I think this is good. I think we've covered being toxic. And, we, and, and if nothing else, we know Britney Spears has a lot. Britney Spears is the source of this. 2009, toxic comes out, right? Nobody's using the word. 2018, Oxford Dictionary names toxic as their word of the year. Just nine years later. Just nine years later. So it's, it's Britney. It's Brittany. It's Brittany. Brittany did it. Brittany did it. So uh, thank you so much. Until the next episode, uh, like we talked about, take care of yourself and then take care of each other. Thanks so much.